what a delight to be able to greet you again today as yet another week has gone by and uh, before we pray and do anything else i'd love to ask you to celebrate something that god has done in your life over the last couple of days last weeks or so just think about something that that's worth celebrating i'm sure there would be something and may i ask you as you think about yourself and what god has done for you that you also consider what god has done for others and and would you as the bible teaches us rejoice with those that are rejoicing i think it's such a good thing for us to to be thankful for what god is doing for others and and not just to be mindful of what he needs to and should be and, and is doing in our own lives and then the third thing i want to seriously asking ask you is to consider those that are mourning we do find that life has as many challenges and uh there are people I'm sure that you are aware of, that you know, maybe very close to you, maybe yourself, that are mourning. And the Bible says, as much as we need to rejoice with those that are rejoicing, we need to mourn with those that are mourning. And, and so just for a moment, and maybe after you've listened to this or watched this, read this, I want to ask you to take some time to make contact with those that are mourning, that you are aware of, that are in such a state. And, and why don't you encourage them? Just say, I'm praying for you. Please do pray for them and, and just support them and comfort them. So let's pray and, and launch into this morning's or this to the, today's preach. Thank you. Father, I do want to thank you for the fact that you are doing so much in our lives. Lord, we want to celebrate that. I want to thank you that you are in control, no matter what we see and feel. And also thank you, Lord God, that this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And I pray, Lord God, that as we just share around the book of Matthew again, a continuation in that, I pray that you will help me to communicate this effectively. And Lord God, as we just consider what we're about to share today, I pray that um, you will speak to us louder than what my words would be and the notes would say. I trust Holy Spirit for your presence right here today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm coming to you from a location that, that many of you are um, well familiar with. Um, a location where we would normally meet on Sundays. And I've specifically chosen this location because it's probably... One of many, many, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of similar locations that are probably one of the most disappointing places in the world at the moment because of the fact that people aren't able or aren't allowed or permitted to meet in venues like this to come together on Sundays. And so where people would drive past buildings where it indicates that it belongs to a church, there's a certain expectation that they have of what can happen at that building. But I think it's probably one of the most disappointing sites across the whole wide world at the moment in the history of our time. That um, it's a place that's not being able to be used. I mean, maybe people would go there to do the office work and stuff like that. But in general, the purpose of the facility is not being experienced. And, uh, and probably very, very disappointing for many people. They drive past every day and they see the building and they reminisce, perhaps, of what they've had. And there's this expectation of one day, possibly, 
we can meet again. And, and um, I do trust that obviously soon we'll be able to do that. But the reality of us going back to where we were perhaps a year ago, where there were no limitations, we have no idea when that'll happen. So, but yet there's this expectation. And we've been paging through the book of Matthew as a church and looked at various things. And last week we started talking about expectations, my expectations and his kingdom. And this, today I want to carry on talking about that and just look at more expectations that, that can be found in, in the book of Matthew that often are perhaps not realistic. And, and as we live with those expectations, we become disappointed, disillusioned, and sometimes frustrated with God. And the facility behind me that's empty, that's not occupied and has not been occupied on Sundays for a long time again, is, 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 is very reflective of that, that it's a place where people have a certain expectation, but at the moment, it just cannot be met. And so, could I ask you to turn with me to the 11th chapter of Matthew as we look at a few more expectations. And today's expectation starts with a bang, and, and, and it's called, my expectation is, God just wants me to be happy. <laughs> And people live with that expectation that surely that's what God's going to do. Make me happy. May I, on the opposite side of the coin, say that the kingdom reality is this. Everything, firstly, exists to bring glory to Him. So as much as I think God just wants to make me happy, the kingdom reality is that everything is about Him and not about me. Matthew 11 is this amazing story. I'm going to read to you from verse 1. It says, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison, John the Baptist, remember he was in prison, he was thrown into prison because he spoke against the king, uh, he spoke against Herod about his adultery and, and the way that he was living his life, and, and, and Herod didn't like that, so he threw him in prison. And so when he's in prison, he heard about the deeds of the Christ. He sent word by his disciples, John still had disciples, and said to him, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, his disciples that came to ask him this question. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed, listen to the end, and blessed is the one who is not offended of me. So here we have John the Baptist, who had gone ahead of Jesus, he had prepared the people for what Jesus was coming to do, and boom, next moment he's in prison. <laughs> and, and it's kind of weird because you, kind of, you would almost imagine that the, the person that went ahead of Jesus would be treated in a different way. Maybe there was this expectation that John had that surely if I go ahead of the Messiah, then, then surely there must be something good up for me, in store for me. Boom, I'm in prison. Completely the opposite that money had expected. He must have expected Jesus to come and kind of release him from what Isaiah, remember the book of Isaiah? It says in chapter 61 that Jesus has come to, to set the, those that are captives free, those that are in prison. He's come to set them free. So surely in John's mind, he's like, ah, oh, I remember Isaiah 61. I'm in prison. The Messiah is still around. Surely he must come and set me free. And he had this expectation. Actually, when he says, 
are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? The word really says, are you the one that we should expect to actually come and possibly set us free? Yet he's in prison and he didn't set him free. And we know that eventually that Jesus didn't even stop Herod from, from beheading John the Baptist. And I guess many others besides just John must have had this expectation that that the Messiah was going to do something spectacular for them, make them happy. Just think about the family feud around this event. <laughs> John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, Jesus' mother, Mary, they related. Imagine, imagine Elizabeth speaking to Mary saying, I mean, surely your son, Jesus, can help my son get out of prison. Please go and talk to him. He's the Messiah. Surely he can do that. That's, he's, he's, he's able to. Come on. And we know that it doesn't happen. <laughs> John the Baptist ends up king, being killed in prison. And it, and it kind of speaks into my world and to your world that we could have these expectations of Jesus that, that he would always just sort life out for me and make me happy and, and, and make sure that, that everything is just always 100% the way that I would like it to be. But we know that the Bible teaches us that, that our happiness is not his goal. There's something else that is his goal. And it's our holiness, which is a bit different than just happiness. Jesus says, actually a few verses early in, in Matthew, Matthew 10, verse 24, he says, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. He says, it is, it, is, it is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and a servant like his master. So Jesus is saying, my objective for you is to become like me. I want you to be like the teacher. There's a real danger when we start expecting that God just wants me to be happy. And we justify everything in life around this value if it makes me happy, then surely it must be from God. The classic example is, is a man or a woman being married, meeting another person, and, and they fall in love with the other partner or the other person. And, and, and then a justification is found in the fact that I'm not happy in my current relationship or my current marriage. And this relationship with the other person makes me so happy. I really like, I can't believe it. It's just incredible. It makes me happy. It's got to be right. And so the belief or expectation can lead us to making a wrong right. I think God wants me to be happy. And so therefore, when I feel happy in a wrong, it's got to be right. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. That's a wrong expectation. God never said that I want to make you happy. He says, I want to make you holy like I am. And so... The reality is we find in chapter 11 that Jesus warns at the end, he says, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. I think we often get offended by God because we expect something from him and he doesn't do it. And then like John the Baptist, I'm in prison, Jesus, come on, bail me out. But it doesn't happen and there's a possibility of an offense. The Bible clearly teaches us that we've got to be glad and we've got to be happy. But the context is we've got to be glad in the Lord. Psalm 32, Psalm 37, Psalm 100, all talks about serve the Lord with gladness, be happy in Him. In the New Testament, Paul writes, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. 
Philippians 3. We cannot approach God with an expectation that He exists for me. We need to understand, firstly, that we exist for Him. And we exist for Him. And our happiness is firstly found in Him. And our happiness is not firstly His goal, but our holiness is His goal. Second thing, as we page further into Matthew is that we can live with this expectation that it is completely acceptable if I just live for myself. <laughs> They're like, hey, life is about me. And not only does life, God want me to be happy, but I can live for myself. But the kingdom reality is not that. Jesus clearly teaches us that, that we need to consider people and their needs. And so the epic story is, is from Matthew 14 and <clears throat> Matthew 15. Both two portions of Scripture where Jesus is about to feed those that are with Him. <clears throat> we find that in these two portions of Scripture, Matthew 14, verse 13 to 16, and, and 15, verses 32 to 34, we find that the disciples, um, they were with Jesus, and, and Jesus wanted to be alone, but the crowds came and they followed Him. And, and so Jesus, just for the kind of person that He is, He gives time for them. And then towards the end of the day, the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, it's, it's the end of the day. We should send them home now. I can just imagine the disciples talking like that. Like, Jesus, it's time for us and you. You're like, let's send them home so that they can go and be by their homes again. Because it's late, Jesus. They need to eat. Jesus is like, uh, they're probably hungry. So let's feed them. The disciples are, ah, there's nothing here, Jesus. I mean, there's no shop yet. I mean, it's not like we can quickly just run down the shop. The town is far away. Send them back their way. Jesus says, no, you feed them. So what, what I think Jesus wants us to understand through this is that, you know what, life is not just about you. It's about me, Jesus, and about people. And here the disciples, they kind of step into that thing. And, and they, they kind of explode. They, 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 they reveal their true nature, in a sense, by saying, Send them away and get rid of them so that we can just bond a bit, Jesus. I would have done the same. I would have said, no, kind of, Jesus, I think it's time that they go. But Jesus doesn't do that. He has compassion on them. The disciples want to get rid of them. Jesus feeds them. The disciples want to send them away. Now I think this is where the world is currently moving to, particularly in this, this age, in this moment that we're in of lockdown and of separation, of distance, that we can become so incredibly selfish that we forget about one another. And I want to implore you, as King City Church, and as those watching today, please don't distance yourself from people. I understand the physical thing, but I'm talking about attitude, heart-wise. Don't distance yourself from people and start just thinking that everything is around me. I've got to just look after myself and my own health. And, and I forget about the people Jesus teaches us the opposite. Let's not understand or let's not think that, that the world is just for me. There are other people and we need to consider them. The last expectation I want to share with you today is this one, is that greatness is determined by my skill, by my knowledge, by my ability and my wealth and all the things that I have perhaps. <laughs> That's my expectation. I can, I, I can be someone because of what I know and what I have and what I do. The kingdom reality is completely the opposite. Jesus teaches that greatness is seen in humility, actually becoming like a child. <laughs> and we read this in Matthew 18, 
where um, this is an amazing story where, where at the time it says in verse 1, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? <laughs> and Jesus brings a child into the context. Actual fact, when you, when you read in Mark 9, I want to just quickly read the, the version that Mark has for us on this. There's a little bit more that Mark shares. He says, and they um, went from there. Let me just find the verse, verse 33. It says, and they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, Jesus asked them, what were you discussing on the way? Jesus knew exactly what they were talking about. <laughs> he kind of wanted to just to catch them out in a sense. He says, but they kept silent, the Bible says. For on the way, they had argued with one another, not just spoken to each other about this. They had argued with one another, who was the greatest? And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And then he took a child. And he celebrated how a child thinks and how a child functions. That he says, if you receive anyone like a child, you receive so much greatness. And he points to the fact that greatness is found in humility, being like a child. So it's clearly something here is revealed about where the disciples were. They thought that we could be great by virtue of what we know, what we have, how we function, where we're from, clothes we wear, place we were raised from, born in, whatever. But Jesus just wipes that completely out of the way. It says, true greatness and true honor is found in me and becoming like me because he came to serve us. And I want to say to you today that if we live with an expectation that greatness is found in anything else but Jesus and the way that he came to live, we will miss it completely. The kingdom reality is, it says, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. That's where greatness is found, folks. And what a great opportunity it is for us to now lay hold of kingdom values and say, let me serve the way that Jesus served. Not on a Sunday, because look at it. Hey, there's no opportunity at the moment to serve on Sundays. But there are plenty of opportunities to serve at home. You're spending a lot of time at home, at your work environment. And being in contact with people that you're familiar with, great opportunity to serve. And let's not stop serving in our communities. I want to encourage you, let's live with the right expectation when we approach our kingdom. Let's not come with a, a selfish, a worldly, a, a carnal mindset when we expect from him. Let's live with that expectation rather that says, I want him to be more. And me to be less. As the very John the Baptist said. He said, Lord, you must increase and I must decrease. That's a great expectation. May God help us at this time to live like that. I want to pray that God will help us with that. And wherever you are right now as you listen or watch this, why don't you just still your heart and consider these things? And not just consider what I've said, but consider how Jesus wants us to live like. And allow the Holy Spirit right now just to speak into your heart. I ask you to close your eyes and just say, Holy Spirit, forgive me for wrong expectations that I've lived with. 
that I thought greatness is in what I do and what I have and the name I carry. Forgive me, Lord God, for the expectation that life is really about me, that I can live for myself and be selfish. Forgive me, Lord God, for the expectation that I've had that, that you just want to make me happy and, and that you are really there for me and I can just call on you and, and boom, things will happen. Forgive us, Father, for these expectations. And help us to have them replaced with kingdom realities of how you want us to live our lives. Particularly at this time, Jesus, where we are confronted with, with a whole lot of pressures around us, where we became, become so self-centered. I pray that you will help us to just think differently and to act differently and to consider your way above our own. I pray for this, Father. I pray for everybody in King City and beyond, Lord God, that, that we will live with a kingdom focus that will really be about the king and then me. Firstly him and then me. God, I pray that you'll help us with that. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being with us and enjoy this coming week as we celebrate just each day with, uh, with God and, and his kindness towards us. We will be sending you um, daily uh, notes that you can continue to work through the book of Matthew to encourage you about what you can learn from it. So um, have a great time as you study those things. God bless you. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.